This is the Ice Blue Money Podcast with Greg Carter and Danny Bullock. Achieving your dream retirement is a lot like making the big leagues. To achieve your dreams, you need great coaches. Each week, Greg and Danny share insights to help you reach your financial goals and achieve your retirement dreams. Now, the Ice Blue Money Podcast with Greg Carter and Danny Bullock. And welcome into the Ice Blue Money Podcast. I am Bill Seller, and I'm here with Greg Carter and Danny Bullock. Fellas, good to see you. How are you? Yeah, you too. It's the best day of my life. Sun shining. My friends are smiling. It's a good day. Yeah. Yeah. You got three guys that basically have nothing better to do. We're just happy to be here today. Yeah. So. And just- <laughs> <laughs> That's what it comes down to. But fortunately for you, two of them, two of them can help you with, uh, with getting ready for retirement and getting through your retirement years. That's what the Ice Blue Money podcast is all about is, is getting you set up for retirement and then hoping, uh, you know, teaching you how to hopefully hang on to as much of that money as you possibly can mm. through your retirement years. And, and by the way, just to clear it up, that's what the two are Greg and Danny. I'm, I'm just here to kind of drive the bus and get us where we need to be. So, uh, again, if this is your first time with us here, please hit that subscribe, follow whatever button you have on your podcast player to make sure you don't miss an episode when it comes out. We'd, we'd very much appreciate it. We, we try to drop these things every Monday and make sure that, uh, you're on the list to get yours because, uh, we have a lot of fun and, and, uh, and. we have a lot of fun teaching and you get mm. a chance to learn something. So. Uh, again, it's about retirement. I'm not sure this is exactly the plan that you know you want to count on, but I was reading this the other day, and I thought I got to hang on to this till I, till I get together with Greg and Danny. And a guy in uh, in Kentucky apparently has found his retirement savings on his farm, millions of dollars worth of Civil War era gold and silver. They say it was. Wow. Uh, he said it was like the most insane thing he's ever been a part of. It's being called the Great Kentucky Hoard. In this chest of money that he found, there's some. Double Eagle $20 gold coins from 1863. Also, uh, some $1 and $10 coins. Over 800 coins total. Wow. Now, exactly where this was found was not revealed, which is probably the smartest thing this guy could do. Right. Uh, but, man, wouldn't that be something? I mean, you know, not the best way to plan for retirement, but... Uh, Kentucky, you say, huh? <laughs> yeah. That's Kentucky. Two, right. two, two things you like there, Danny. Uh, yeah. Apparently, money in the ground, and it's where they make bourbon. Yeah, so, right. Yeah, should... yeah, Kentucky. Sounds like you need to take a trip to the to the bourbon just, trail. Yeah, just start buying up property, just digging Man. in people's backyards. Man. They don't mind us. <laughs> Nothing to see here. What a find. Wow, can you Man. imagine that, though? I mean, you're just out there digging yeah. in your farm, and bam. it's kind of like the Clampets, right? Instead of oil, mm. you found a chest full, <laughs> a chest oh, full of money. <laughs> I love that show. Oh, man. That was a great show. Tell you what, that's a big mistake from uh, from whoever buried that stuff and didn't come back for it. I mean, I, I can't believe that nobody left a note for, like, the next part of the family. Well, um, if it were, was it left from the Civil War era? Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think we might have a reason why he probably didn't come back. You know, that's yeah. not what I'm saying, but I mean, could have left a note. I mean, come on now. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, listen, man, speaking of uh, making making big money mistakes and or speaking of mistakes you make by getting up on Thursday and going to work. I. Uh, <laughs> oh, I know that uh, when I look back on my life, there's some money stuff and money decisions that I wish I hadn't made. And I kind of wish I had a couple of guys like you to help me along the way. But I know that's what you wanted to talk about today. We kind of teased it in the last podcast about some of the mistakes that you guys have found and maybe perhaps had happened to you. I don't know, but uh, mm, yeah, I know that's sure. kind of where we want to go today. What, what money mistakes have you made that you can share with folks not to do? I'll kick it off. Not investing in real estate early in my life. And I, and I think about 
where real estate prices are now, the appreciation we've seen, uh, at least in my market and across, you know, many cities in the United States. And what a great plug for your portfolio. Um, a lot of people don't want to be landlords, but what we see when we work with clients and, uh, the value of, uh, a cash generating asset like that. Uh, and then it gives you opportunity for future liquidity if you want it through selling. But I just kind of whiffed on it in my twenties. I had friends who were doing it, understanding property management or, or farming that out to somebody, but accumulating properties, uh, in your retirement portfolio. I was just yeah. busy trying to move up in corporate America and store money away in a 401k. And I just thought that wasn't for me. And now I look back and say, man, what if I just gotten one every two years or one every three years? So for me, that's a big one, not investing in real estate early in my life. You know, and to piggyback off that, Greg, we talked about this earlier in the week about how I had a decision. My father gave me the opportunity with one of his clients to buy a condo down at the beach for under a hundred thousand dollars. And yeah. I, I passed on it just, you know, not seeing the future and God would I've loved to have that property now, uh, for Airbnb, but whatever, you know, you live and learn. Uh, I yeah. think one of mine, and, and it's hard to whittle down my list because there's so many, but one <laughs> of the bigger ones was not tracking my money. Yeah. Like, like early on in my 20s and things of that nature, I never tracked my money. You mm -hmm. know, I, I kind of knew what I was going to get paid. I knew, you know, working um, overtime, you know, what the money would be, but I never tracked it, you know, as far as, you know, financial goals and things of that nature and what I was trying to do. I literally lived as the money came in, money went out. And mm -hmm. I, and I never sat down and really came up with any, you know, ironclad financial goals and what I wanted to do, help paying off debt with school, that sort of thing. And it just, it did not serve me well in my twenties because at some point, even though I made a really good living, it always seemed like I was behind. And then uh -huh. that was because I wasn't tracking uh, my money properly. Yeah. And it's, it's funny, Greg, you bring up the, the real estate thing because I had a friend of mine who uh, bought some lake property about, mm. I want to say, 35 years ago when we were of that age, right? And uh, uh, kind of young too. And he wanted me to get in it with them. And I, I, okay, I was dumb. I should have said <laughs> yes and I didn't. Now it's still undeveloped, but he just sold it recently and made ungodly amounts of money on that property wow because in 30 years you can imagine yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. what's yeah. happened to it especially at, near a lake and yeah uh, again i just i i, I i'm with you on that we don't have a crystal ball or vision but that's why that, you know we always talk about the advantage of a coach a financial coach and somebody to just throw that over the fence to our clients ask us all kind of questions, including, Hey, should I look at this opportunity? What do you think? And we'll, we'll model it out for them. And so that's another argument for that. The other mistake I made is uh, with the cash value life insurance policy in my early twenties, mm. my dad, who was not in the industry, he was a corporate guy. He said, Hey, I want you to go see my financial planner. You need some more life insurance outside of work. And I said, okay. So that financial planner said, you're young enough. You should get cash value life insurance. And I said, well, what's that? My company gives me life insurance. They said, no, it's a whole life policy, which was the thing back then. And it might have been 40 bucks a month. And I'm 22 or 23 and I have it for a year. And I just thought, man, this is stupid. I, I could be buying beer with this money. And I let it go after like 18 months. And I think back now, if I had kept that cash value, cash accumulating policy, $40 a month, uh, I'd have five figures of tax free money just mm. on the sideline. 
so, you know, again, you live and learn, but that's one that I think a lot of people whiff on accumulating savings in a tax-free vehicle like cash value life insurance. Yeah. You know, and one of mine kind of goes to um, that thought process too, Greg, and it's, uh, I cashed out, you know, one or two 401ks when I was younger in my twenties and it, it absolutely makes me mm-hmm. sick. One of the, the bigger ones I think was um, maybe, you know, about $10,000 and, and I'd never forget it because I was maybe 26 years old, 26, 27 years old. And they, you know, essentially said, look, you know, you have the money here. You got to move it. We're not going to keep it. I'm like, well, what, what do I do with it? I said, well, if you don't know what to do, we're just going to send you a check. Oh, well, okay. Just send me a check. And I think after everything, I think it might have been like, it was about eight grand or so, um, mm-hmm. you know, after everything. And, you know, uh, again, uh, not tracking my money, thinking that this is just a little bonus, can do some things with, you know, take a little vacation, you know, buy some more clothes or whatever, you know, and not realizing the potential that could have had, had I put it in IRA or something like that in, at 26 years old. Right. And just let that grow, you know, 20 years, you know, what that would look like now. And and, and now knowing what I know now, unfortunately, you know, it, it hurts, it stings. But I'm such an advocate when I'm talking to people, you know, in their 20s, early 30s, and they move from one job to another to not cash that thing out. Like you are losing compound interest power, you know, power of time, all of those things. And again, when you're, you know. 20s early on and stuff like that you don't realize a lot of the stuff and mm-hmm. that's why it's good for you to get a good coach who can really lay out some of these things and the power of some of these financial decisions that they'll have on your future if you mishandle some of them so that cashing out the 401k just still you know haunts me the cockiness of our 20s mm-hmm. yeah right right you can't tell me anything i got this figured out because mm-hmm. yeah. uh boy it's it's kept a have some of the best of us behind, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, at that age, you're like, no, I got it figured out, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Uh, yeah. You think well, you, you're living for the weekend. You know, that's what you're thinking of. The next thing along those lines of retirement plans, one of the things I wish I had done early on was to save outside of my employer-sponsored retirement mm. plan. So you talk about a 401k, but to have, you know, a Roth IRA when you're eligible to contribute to it and have that accumulate tax free or even a small brokerage account. I think oftentimes young people go into jobs and they want to do well and move up. And so you just heads down on that and you say, oh, yeah, yeah, I signed up for the 401k. Whatever they told me to enter for my <laughs> yeah. uh, elections, I did it. And then I, I never looked back. But what about outside of work and uh, just having a little nest egg on your own, not not bank savings, but investments. And so that's something when we look at the time value of money and and, and a person's horizon uh, or, or saving time frame, it really could make a difference if young people start saving outside of work with investments. Yeah. Well, what do you, what do you say to young people, though, who, who are like, man, I'm barely able to even buy gas and that kind of, how am I supposed to save? Yeah, well, that that's the other thing that that we look at, Bill. Is is a lot of times we can refinance the finances. You you've heard me say that before, and uh, I'll jump to my next one, which is a lot of times young people aren't set up properly with with their taxes, with their deductions at work. They're not talking to a tax professional, and then they look forward to the tax return. I used mm. to do it, Danny. I'm sure you did it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna get a tax return. I'm gonna do this. Well, you don't realize that the government held your money all year long <laughs> without any interest, and yeah, you're getting it back, but they didn't give you anything for it. And so, if you've got proper tax plan, even as a young person who's on a tight budget, maybe there's some things we can do. 
to get you some additional deductions legally uh, and optimize your tax liability so you're not getting a return and so you're keeping more money in your paycheck. Not only did they not give it back, but they made money off of your money. Absolutely. Right. You know, so... <laughs> You know, and when it comes to, you know, I was talking to a younger individual about, you know, that situation, not having enough money uh, to save. I I'd tell them two things not to do, which, you know, I, I did at one point, and it was dependence on credit cards and not having an emergency fund. You yeah. know, some uh, when I first got to college, I'll never forget this. The very next day I had a credit card. Yeah. And um, the individuals there who were offering the credit cards were there for the free stuff, you know, whatever. They're filling out the applications. We never knew we would get approved for it. Lo and behold, a couple of weeks later, I get a credit card with a $2,000 limit in the mail. Do you know what it does to an 18-year-old who's never really had any money? You got $2,000 and you're away from home. You know, it, it built this dependence on credit cards where, right. you know, again, you're always behind trying to just pay off. And, oh, just pay the minimum balance. I would strongly advise them to, uh, you know, not have a dependence on credit cards because, you know, you're going to lose in the end. You're going to end up paying a lot more than what you borrow. And the other part of that is not having some kind of savings plan or emergency fund set up for times when it's lean. You know, you're going to have lean years where, you know, you get laid off or cut back in hours and that sort of thing. And you're going to need some money to kind of fall back on. So your whole lifestyle isn't blown up. So those are two of the things I'd really tell a younger person to make sure they're um, aware of. Yeah, and that credit is so important. And when you go to college uh, or when you're young, it seems like those ads are everywhere. They're targeting mm -hmm. you. I remember going into classrooms in college and they had on the yeah. bulletin board ads for credit cards. And it's so easy to get into it. Uh, my funny story about credit cards may not be so funny to my, my parents, but <laughs> when I was in college, they gave me a credit card to use for emergency and say it's the extension of their credit card, American Express. And so I'm using it and, you know, I'm taking girls out on dates and, mm -hmm. and you know, buying the fraternity brothers, buying balling. kegs and things like balling. that. And yeah, I'm balling. And so my mom <laughs> called and said, hey, you, you got us. I'm 600 miles away. You got to stop doing that. I'm literally running. <laughs> to the mailbox to get this statement out before your dad gets home. Um, so you fast forward, I graduated I'm on my first job, maybe two weeks into it on a Saturday. And my dad calls and say, Hey buddy, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, nothing. Watching college football. He said, okay, hold on a minute. And he click on and it's uh -oh. a lady at American express in a call center. And he says, yes, I'd like to get my son, uh, his own American express and get him off of my account. <laughs> And the lady's wow. like, okay, wow. sir, what's your social? And so now I'm, I'm off of his bill, but that's a, that's a lesson about, we want to do the right thing for our kids and help them out. But those lessons about using credit responsibly are, are uh, they got to be there. I, I think in, in my last one, I think I made a major money mistake I made early on and I learned a lot from is cosign. Don't ever, yeah. ever. I don't care if it's a family member. I don't care if it's yep. a frat brother. I, unless you yep. are married to that individual, do not go and even then, even yeah. then, yeah. I got just like about that. Just Past like, life. oh my goodness! I mean, the promises that were made before you know you signed for this contract. And then the excuses that you have to deal with afterwards. I, it only right. happened to me once, and I, and I never ever did it again. Never ever yep. did it again, and and it broke up a friendship because it was like you know I'm essentially gonna have to take care of this because if not, it's gonna ruin my credit, and right. I, I don't even get the benefit in the use of the car you know that you have and stuff like that. And so, don't ever co-sign for somebody. 
I there agree. are a lot of different alternatives. Do what Greg's father did. Get on the phone with uh, whoever the bank is and <laughs> get them to open that account in their own name. Like, right. Do not put that yeah, in I your was kind of hurt by that, Danny. I thought, <laughs> hey, look, it look. was a turning point in our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Dad, yeah. if you're listening. Yeah, you know, it's funny when um, when I went to school, I, I think the I think the very first credit card I ever got was a Sears card. That's how far back mm. I go. Because mm. right? they were they were handing those out with water. Just go here, have a Sears card here, have yep. a Sears card, <laughs> you know, but I can tell you something over my years, that was the hardest thing to pay off. Oh God. And they don't get make rid it of. easy. Yeah. yeah. They don't no, make it shit, easy. That was nasty to get rid of. I finally <laughs> did it. Yeah. But that, and then I think, um, I think my American Express, I just got like a, I don't know, 100th anniversary gift or something from them. That's, that's how long I've been with them as well. But, uh, <laughs> but we were finally able after our kids grew and, and, and left the house and now they're out on their own, finally able to really shut down most of that for us, right? Yeah. As a family, mm-hmm. for my wife and I, and, and boy, you're right. What a freeing feeling that is. Yeah. So, uh, Cause it's, it's funny having credit card debt is, is it's one of those things that if it isn't absolutely positively crushing you every day, it's just like a big weight, right? That it's always yeah. there. Yeah. You don't really know what it is. It's bugging you, mm-hmm. but it's there. Yeah. And when it's gone, holy cow, does that feel good. So, And it gets away I, from you, too. A lot of people, yeah, you know, a yeah. lot of times when I sit down and I talk to them, like, it, it's hard to put, you know, the horses back in the barn. It's like, man, like, we didn't, you guys didn't think about coming up with a plan before we got, you know, 30 grand into debt with this thing? Wait, wait, we have to give it back? <laughs> what? They said we had $30,000. We got to pay what? Man, it just, it hampers yeah. everything else as far as it goes well, with planning. And that's why, you know, having somebody like Greg or Danny on your side is a big plus, no matter if you're in retirement or working towards retirement, to have somebody that can help you understand these things, kind of lay out a plan for you. Trust me, it's a lot easier when you got a plan in place. And then you can find out more about Greg and Danny and what it is that they can do for you at icebluemoney.com. That's the website because uh, we're freaking marketing geniuses. So we named that in the podcast the same thing. The sad thing is, you know how many meetings that took. But anyway, uh, <laughs> icebluemoney.com. That's where you can go find out more about these uh, these fine gentlemen that can help you with your retirement questions and you know putting together a plan for you or just find out more about them. Oh, man, I can't believe how fast our time goes by here, guys. But uh, But it's time to run again. And as always, it's a pleasure. Before we get out of here, first time with us, well, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to hit that like, subscribe, follow button, and uh, don't miss the next episode when it comes out. And remember, the future depends on what you do today. Keep believing in what you're building, guys. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to Greg Carter and Danny Bullock and the Ice Blue Money Podcast, helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of investment and insurance products to custom suit their needs and objectives. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. No investment strategy can guarantee a profit or protect against loss in periods of declining values. Any comments regarding safety and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advice products. Insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company. No legal advice options or recommendations are being made in respect to this proposal. You should consult your tax professional or attorney concerning such advice and opinions.